for me, at some point doing that, I looked and I was like, I am playing the role of a 30-year-old who is in tech and blah, 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 blah. I saw a character that I'd adopted. It was crazy because I listened to the My First Million episode with you and I immediately texted Sam Mm -hmm. and I was like, I got to talk to this guy. This guy is incredible. Like there's so many different facets to you, your story and the things you're working on and so many that I feel like some of it they had to like, like go through and breeze through sure. and get to the next sure. thing. And so I would love to talk to you about the first thing I was so excited to talk to you about was the think week. Sure. The, what, what was your first experience? I mean, like to give people some context, like sold companies for over $700 million. Like you're a brilliant mind, a thinker, original thinker, and you, you're a hacker in terms of like finding a way. And that's what I noticed from doing research. But the most remarkable thing to me was like, you spend time by yourself. And that was one of the most effective practices that you've come across. Definitely. So why is that the case? Um, because when I was working on my startup, like many people, um, I was just all in. So um, to give you some context, like we had uh, an office and then um, for most of the time, I just rented an apartment in the building um, just exactly opposite across the street. Um, but that meant that um, and, and also just moving to America just felt moving to Silicon Valley felt like I had been given this golden t- ticket of an opportunity, but that had to make the most of it because just did not want to fail and have to go back to England. But what that looked like in practice is basically um, working seven days a week. I only used my apartment, uh, which was shared, just um, f- for, as a place to sleep. Uh, my actual living room was the company uh, just uh, meeting room. And then um, there, there was no... There was no life outside of work so my health was pretty shit my diet was pretty shit um not didn't really know many people coming to san francisco and i didn't really socialize that much um and then any friends that i did have were all in startups so basically just like all in on work and um and just work 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 sleep wake up again repeat uh, seven days a week um, and then you can do that for a bit, but after some time, just get burned out, you know. And um, for me, I enjoy reading, but if I'm just trying to read in my day-to-day life, find that there's always, it's hard to get in the state of flow because there's always like someone ringing the doorbell, uh, text messages coming in, emails, or you think of something, oh, actually I need to do this. And so hard to get in a state of flow. And I was totally burned out. And I read this Wall Street Journal article uh, about Bill Gates. And it said that when he was chairman of Microsoft, he took what he called a think week. So he'd go to this cabin he has by a lake and just no electronics and no people, just himself. And he would just read. For him, actually, it was like he took like a 100 different what uh, Microsoft employees could write a proposal and he'd then take them away and read them. And he'd pick like, I think we should work on this. 
So he'd have like a hundred of those, but no technology. And he'd just have someone leave food outside his door. And then I was like, okay, well, I struggled to find time to read. But Bill Gates, like the richest guy in the world at that point, I think, can switch off from all his emails. His emails are way more important than mine. So if he can do it, I'm sure I can. I looked all around the world and um, it was quite hard actually to find a suitable place. But I found a place in Indonesia that they described themselves as like a silent retreat center, but no gurus, no religion, no meditation, etc. And no really, no strict rules, just don't talk to each other. And that created the perfect environment for me. Basically went there and now I've visited other places around the world, have never found anywhere quite like this because they create the optimal environment for a state of flow. So we read about um, Obama, Zuckerberg. They wear the same clothes every day. Like Obama only has like, I think a black suit or a black, I think like one black, one blue. And Zuck just has like the gray t-shirt. Like they just have one clothes and they've described that's because they don't want to waste mental energy deciding stupid stuff like what are they going to wear today. And when you go to this place, they remove the need to think about anything. You don't need to think um, where what where, where am I going to eat today? What, what am I going to do about breakfast? Like, let me look on Google, find a place that's good review and then have to choose on the menu, blah, blah. What they've basically created is like a above it's not luxury but it is nice as well it's like a nice ashram so an ashram being a place where kind of people live and kind of study uh i think like a ancient indian concept and um like monks i think would live in that environment and stuff um so actually you get given your own dishes and cups and stuff for the time you're staying there and you wash your own utensils they don't have like dishwasher and stuff but that's part of the thing actually just because doing something like washing your own dishes is a meditative activity it's not meditation it's in the middle it's like meditative and what that allows you to do is just these simple practices gradually shut off your brain and you don't need to think about anything so what happens is they have a set regime every day breakfast is at this time and they hit a gong so wherever you are all around the property that you know all right, it's breakfast they hit a gong the same for lunch same for dinner and you go there and it's laid out like a buffet so you just serve yourself and then eat at your own pace and then you don't need to worry about paying the bill or whatever just when you're done you just wash the dishes and so what that means is each person can create their own routine and they don't need to think about anything. So for me, that would basically look like I wake up and um, the breakfast is served something like 8am or something. So hit the gong. I go have breakfast and they're encouraging you to be mindful when you're eating. So they have all these like inspirational stuff written around like pay attention, eat like one spoonful at a time and pay attention to you eating it to like be mindful. And you're also, it's... Uh, they're just so thoughtful in how they've created this place. Unlike anywhere else where you're sitting at a table or if it's a communal environment, you know, you're usually sitting in. Here, the tables run around the edge of the room and you're facing outwards. 
So you're sitting next to all these people, but you're facing away from each other and you're looking out over these like vast rice fields and jungle and stuff. And it's just creating a super calm environment. So you eat your meal, wash your dishes, etc. And then I'm just um, just reading uh, all the way through. If I need to take a break, then I'll take a break and just like walk around the rice field type property. But then um, going in and then lunch, reading, etc. Dinner, reading, and then just whenever it gets dark enough, then um, I just go to bed and then repeat. And for me, that was just like super re-energizing, healing, etc. Um, and an anecdote to the burnout from technology because I feel that definitely myself and I think many of us might be as well I just feel that I am uh, addicted to uh, probably the internet I would say uh, addicted to the internet because since about the age of 13 have just had access to broadband technology any question you're thinking like oh I wonder how the process of bees making honey you're just like oh well just let me google it I've got an infinite resource there awesome but also detrimental in that you can't switch off and so for me taking going cold turkey is the most effective thing for me this is so amazing because to give you some context for my own story in august of 2020 i heard about bill gates doing this as well and i was like i'm gonna go five days in the middle of nowhere and no laptop no computer no phone and just read books and meditate and go on walks okay. and see what happens. And what happened was the most important thing that I've ever done in my life came as a result of that. Meaning the podcast started in September okay. of 2020. Nice. And when I look at that, I say, wow, that think week doing that for five days changed the trajectory of my life. Where did you go? So for you, I went to in the middle of Pennsylvania uh, on the border of Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. And just like to an Airbnb. And what I found was that like it gave me space to really understand and hear what I actually wanted to do in my own heart. I'm curious. I'm going to be doing this practice again in August of 2023. Where will you go this time? Maybe by the time this same place. So I had such a good routine that I was like, all right, maybe I'll I'll get some new insights as well from the same place. What did place. you do about, I'm curious. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, what did you do about no, uh, food though, I wonder, because that is a big factor. Did you do your own cooking? Did you grocery shop on bulk beforehand? That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Um, but what I did was I brought five pounds of cooked turkey, okay. ground turkey, okay. and five pounds of cooked okay. rice. And every day I would have one pound of rice and one pound of turkey. Wow. And that was all my meals. Okay. That, that was the only thing I ate. Okay. And I ate once a day. Okay. And that, that was it. But yeah, so like for, for the food piece of it, let's say someone's got that taken care of. What are some of the prompts and questions and things that somebody might bring to this experience to have the best experience? What advice do you have for me going into this next think week well i was touching on the food because actually like basically i'd found this place in indonesia and it's amazing right but the challenge i had is that it's so far from america it takes like in region 20 hours to get there so even though i've been there so many times i wanted to try and find can i find something closer 
And so I visited different places. And one time I tried just, I rented a place in Hawaii, just an Airbnb, like you tiny in Hawaii. But actually the experience for me sucked. And um, it was terrible because they're just the small stuff that you don't think about beforehand. So what happened is it was a tiny Airbnb and they didn't have a good setup to just like somewhere to sit and read. And also it was boiling hot and they didn't have AC. And so I tried like going and sitting in a park and stuff, but then it was just like so hot and then food. Um, having to look up where to go. And then I went to, I think, just like Whole Foods every day or something. But then I'm having to walk there, get whatever I'm getting, bring it back. And then it's a studio place, not loads of place to store stuff. And so, um, yeah, for me, it sucked because I had all these things I'm thinking about, these small details, which um, is really important to be able to switch off is having those taken care of. And the place in Indonesia is so amazing because the food is just um, anyone that goes there kind of says this is some of the best food in the world. Like they grow it all on their own jungle slash farm. Um, and um, it's just amazing. And so um, those are really important bits that you maybe don't think about beforehand. Um, so, I mean, if I was thinking to do it again, I had thought maybe a bit similar to you. I was considering even just like fasting for that time. Like if I couldn't get a great environment, just like fasting. Um but um, other things that I did to make it good are um, I have a checklist of stuff that I take. Um, so what I have is I like reading physical books, um, kind of a sense of accomplishment and also that variety. Like um, it has a sense of a feeling, you know, like if you have a really thick book that's short or something, it's just a different shape, different books of different shapes and stuff. And I feel, and it's different font and stuff. And I feel that those tangible differences um, can have an experience on you reading and also you remembering versus Kindle just makes everything is the same, right? Um, so I take all these books. And so other things that I bring to set up a great environment would be thinking about, um, um, I, I have a, a, it's like $10 off Amazon, but a book stand. So what it does is it holds the page open and it holds the book. So basically it's kind of like if you play the piano, you know, you have your uh, music there. Uh, it's like that, but for a book. And then what that allows is like, you know, you don't get tired because I'm reading all day. You don't get tired, especially if it's a massive book, you don't get tired holding up all the time. So you can just put it there. And um, actually what I did is um, at one time I took, uh, I, I, can, I can touch type on a keyboard, right? And um, I took an old Blackberry to take notes hmm. because it's a physical keyboard and, you know, it, it, it's a shitty screen so i'm not gonna get distracted using it for the internet too much because it's really slow loading the internet and you can't even see a website on it but i'm taking myself like text message notes and what i do is i do the page number so like 72 slash and then i'll take a note and um I also take notes of like things that i'll and I also have like a shorthand system so what i'll do is i'll i'll write like r blah, blah, blah. And that means that I want to research that when I get home. So what this allows me to do is that I don't have to look it up on the internet right away. I just write down whatever I want to Google when I get home. So I'll be like, ah, oh, whatever I want to research. If there's something I remember to do, I'll do like T 
blah, 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 blah. And this is my list of to-dos when I get home. So a shorthand note-taking system. I use a BlackBerry. And then I also actually bought a um, old-school... Um, it's like before laptops. It's between a typewriter and a laptop. Actually, there's a company now that have come out with a new model. They're coming out with it. They're launching it in three months called Alpha Smart. The, the old model was called Alpha Smart, and they're coming out with another one. This company really expensive. It's like $500 or something. The one I had, you can just buy. It's you. You generally buy them used but off eBay for about $50. $50. And what it is, is it's uh, it's kind of like a mix between um, a laptop and a calculator. So it's just a text editor. It doesn't have autocorrect. It doesn't have spell check. It doesn't have the internet. It's just um, a typewriter type interface but you can have different files uh, within there as well so you can quickly switch like i'll have a master file where i review the books as i'm going along so i'll be like all right this book i give it eight out of ten and blah 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 and then what i do is when i get home i i put those into um goodreads and also this typewriter thing um you can export the notes as a text file when you get home and actually the same with blackberry you can export the text file uh, as a text file um to store and so having things like this um set you up well and sometimes when i've forgotten them um i i regret it a lot another bit is um actually um these kind of sticky note bookmarks so um i i think like command or 3m or one of these companies make them um, especially like arrow ones, like not like your secretary people would stick like where they want you to sign. You know, they give you a contract and then you're like, all right, sign here, 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 here. But I use them in a book where um, I'm reading through and I'm like, all right, this is interesting. And so I use it as a bookmark with the arrow pointing to the part I find interesting um, so that when I later come, uh, uh, I might read it all not take too much notes as I'm going along so it doesn't interrupt the flow too much but like rather like all right this is really interesting let me stick a sticker point into that bit finish the book then go through and find my stickers and write up notes from the bits I've pointed to so those would be examples of bits that I take as a setup what's the name of the typewriter like machine uh well this so as I said this there's a company coming out with one in like three months or so and they're calling it alpha smart and the original one was also was also called alpha smart so the original one is from 20 30 years ago it was called neo neo alpha smart um and so actually the used ones that i've bought um a number of them are like stickered that they were used in schools and and now they're selling them like used um but i have a bunch of them have tried out all the different versions um so i mean if money is not a concern to you probably this one coming out in three months you know maybe it's gonna have slightly extra features like wi-fi for syncing or something i don't know but otherwise these ones that are used off amazon or, and sometimes you can get them new for like a hundred dollars are going to be um just fine very cool um those cover all the tools that you use and another thing that i'm curious if you use is turning off the time or turning off um, time in general. Like the first thing I did when I got to the Airbnb three years ago was I, I removed all the clocks and put them face down because I found that I got much more in touch with mm, nature. Awesome. Did you do something similar yourself 
or no i didn't was that um, i i did not yeah. um because i found it more beneficial to have a kind of strict regime a uh, routine that i know like mm. this time this is happening this time this is happening so uh for me at this uh retreat center if that's not really a good phrase for it to be honest but that's what they call themselves um i knew breakfast is at this time lunch at this time dinner at this time and they have twice a day like optional yoga you can do and so some days if i wanted a break like i uh maybe low on energy or take a break then i would do the yoga and i know it's at this time um that said somebody um wouldn't necessarily say um in between a friend and acquaintance because i don't really speak to her that often but um really cool and um she's on uh twitter called uh reva she said that what she did is um rented a place in california for a few months and the first thing she did is get rid of all the clocks and she would have no sense of time just sleep when she was tired wake when she wasn't etc and that probably um gives you different benefits going deeper on a, a, on a different level you probably get different things out of it i might imagine yeah very cool that's interesting that someone else did that as well i have yeah. to talk to her about it but um going back to the so we covered the tools and those are it's so interesting i never considered doing so much of what you suggested so thank you for for highlighting those are there any particular questions prompts or for the actual guiding your thinking during this time um well i mean the question each day or each moment is just like what book do you want to read next type thing and so basically mm. i would take a massive carry-on bag of books so you know 50 pounds of books whatever the limit is um and it was 50 pounds yeah because that's the that's how much you're allowed to have as a checked bag that's the weight limit you know and actually i have a uh is they're not designed for this but i have an amazing um organizer set up that is ideal for carrying books to avoid them getting bashed up it has different compartments it's supposed to be for clothes but i use it for books um i can share a link afterwards but it's kind of ideal Please. for books of different sizes and then um it's funny because when you put a book through an x-ray it comes up as a solid black chunk because the x you know it's not hollow right it's a solid thing so the guys putting it through the x-ray like arriving they thought that i have a book explosives or like mass around explosives in my suitcase was they're like what the hell is like your suitcase is a solid brick and then they're also like uh why do you have an entire library in your suitcase and then i'm saying i'm taking them to read but they're like nobody reads this much books on holiday you know so sometimes actually had got held up during security and they had to like mail me my luggage a few days later because they couldn't clear it in time because they're like this is really shady like we don't know what's going on here That's um so, so you, you're saying about the faults I, I i don't have necessarily prodding faults but honestly what i actually wish that i put more fault into and for future ones would put more fault into is because especially as i'm only doing this often once or twice a year is you get recommendations from people about books to read and stuff and I buy loads of books and you have them on your bookshelf and then generally when it came to packing I would often just go on an impulse like I'm feeling burned out I'm just going to do this so I'm not planning weeks in advance I'm going to go on this date more impulse and then when I'm packing I'm just grabbing whatever books off the shelf like oh yeah that looks cool whatever whatever I wish that I would put more thought into what books I'm taking 
um, and do that by listening to interviews with the author, um, maybe listening to a book summary, etc. So kind of doing more due diligence because otherwise at the moment I would buy a book just because like someone's like, oh, this is a cool book, but I don't actually know anything about the book. I'm just like, know the title, the author, whatever. And then sometimes you start reading a book and then it's kind of crap. And then so for me, one bit I also took on board is not to... Some people feel if you start reading a book, they have to finish it. And also, um, some people feel like a sense of accomplishment finishing a, a book. And so they force themselves to finish it or something. So for me, it was kind of getting in the mind frame, if a book sucks, just discard, just go on to the next one, you know. Um, but I would put more thought into what books I read. But uh, one bit I also did is have a mix of like very short books and more dense, challenging reads. And what I would do a bit is like, just to get a sense of getting on a roll a bit. Like I would often start with really short books because then at least you're like, hey, even if this, even if the rest of this trip, I don't read another book, I've, I've achieved reading one book that I can check off. It's a bit of success that I've read at least one book that I didn't completely waste my time here. And then, you know, you can work up to harder reads, but at least it gets you into the flow of turning off your brain. Like, right, I've read one book. It was only five pages, but I read it. What was your intention or what is your intention when you do these? Um, that I'm feeling burned out and this is a, it's, it's like going to rehab for an alcoholic. Mm. Um, that I've worked too much and been allowed myself to get to a place of burnout through my uses of technology or the internet. And so I need to switch off and um, get rehabilitated mentally in terms of mood, might be feeling depressed, um, and energy might be feeling burned out. So that is my intention. And then when I go, the objective is just to read. So that can be, that, that's why I felt that many people do Vipassana and stuff like this, but then describe that it's a bit torturous to themselves. For this, I'm like, this is not hard this is awesome i've got all these books that i've wanted to read that sound awesome i get to read them and i'm treating it like my job is to read these books and so i'm reading awesome fiction some non-fiction etc but it's like i'm studying whatever i want to study or my job is to read awesome books that take me to another place and allow me to disconnect from my worries etc um so that's an awesome objective, you know, when your day to day is, oh man, I need to file my tax returns and I need to sort out this bureaucracy about renewing my car thing. And you just remember, this is for me, I don't know about people, but I'm just remembering shit I need to do. And it's a never ending to do list. So to have that replaced by your only to do list is read whatever book you want. That's, that's awesome. You know, so that's the only goal and objective. Just read whatever you want. That makes a lot of sense. I personally, when I was doing this, it was in part to read, but it was also in part to learn more about myself. And because of that, I brought in journal prompts and I brought in old journal entries that I personally went on. And 
that combination was really helpful of like, I'm here to read and learn about other people, but I'm also here to learn about myself. And hence I did, you know, an hour of meditation in the morning, an hour in the evening, and then journaled about my experiences. And what was so interesting is that I almost got a third person look at myself when I was doing this, because I could see the ways in which I was acting with in, in different ways. And I'm curious if you also felt like you had a third person view of yourself, even though your intention was not to um, learn more about yourself. Um, I think in some ways, yes. And I think that what it would be is um, you could describe what you're saying as kind of a, a disassociative type effect. So um, yeah. the starkest um, um, observation I've, I've had of that is, is things um, like um, different psychedelic things. And that doesn't mean that they're all illegal. So one of them, um, ketamine, is, is totally legal and very, very safe. Ketamine it actually is given to newborn children as an anesthetic. Uh, I don't. Are you familiar much with oh, wow. ketamine or psychedelics in general? Not, not quite okay. familiar. I, I would love to expand on it. So ketamine is uh, an. Actually, my granddad was an anesthetist, and ketamine is um, like a hundred years old, and or something in that ballpark, you know. And it's what an anesthetist gives to put you to sleep for a surgery, you know. So um, you're gonna have open heart surgery or whatever they'll, they'll they can give you ketamine to put you to sleep and it's been around 400 years and it's so safe that a newborn baby you know if they've got some medical issue or something and they need to be sedated they can give them ketamine um can inject them and they'll go into um i, I guess it would be perhaps in that context referred to as like a general anesthetic so you have uh, what's called a local anesthetic, which is like in, in, it's where you make a localized part of your body go to sleep. So it might, you know, numb your arm. That's a local anesthetic. We're only making your arm go to sleep. A general anesthetic is that we're putting your body and consciousness, etc., to sleep such that we can do surgery on you and you're not going to wake up, you know, so we're. It's not putting you in a coma because that's like one step further. And I don't know the differences, but um, I think that a coma is like much more serious uh, state. This one is just like you're sedated such that you can do surgery and, and whatnot. Um, but also they can wake you up pretty easily when they're ready and, and, and whatever. Anyway, it's, it's an anesthetic on a general level we can turn off your entire body and do surgery on you and you won't even notice and you're going to stay asleep now here's the thing it's used in um for the past 20 to 30 years i believe has also been used for um therapy effects and how it's used is that if you get if, if, if on the far end of the spectrum, you have um, you getting put to sleep to perform surgery, right? That's where it's knocked you out. But here's the thing. There's actually a spectrum. So there's zero and there's you getting knocked out and I can do surgery on you. 
So let's say that that is one and we start at zero. If I give you zero, uh, if I put you to uh, 0.1, then what's going to happen is you'll feel slightly, slightly, you know, disorientated. You you might be on a feeling like you're on a boat a bit, you know, a bit bit wavy, whatever, but nothing um, crazy serious. Now, it gradually gets more and more intense. If we say, let's say 0.8 is where you will experience something. um, I don't know if people would call it this um, specifically, but basically at 0.8, you experienced like ego death. So for me, what happened is uh, when I tried this in a therapeutic environment, they were giving it to me in a drip. So it's gradual, right? And one time I did it, uh, they they basically have you set up on a drip and there's nurses if you need them, you press an emergency button. And I pressed it one time because I, I, I called them in because I said like, hey, I, I feel like I'm about to die. And so they were like, okay, we'll just like turn down the dosage a bit. And then I was, I was fine. But uh, it was kind of scary because I'm like, I feel like I'm about to die. Um, and that's where it's in a drip. So gradual, right? But you can also receive ketamine as an injection, um, which is how they normally do it if they're sedating you. And this is where it's carefully calibrated dose that is enough to make your sense of self die, but you're not sedated. And what happens is that comes on in the space of um, a minute or two. So you get injected and basically the transition to you dying, it kind of happens so fast that you're not really scared. Or if you are scared saying stop, 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 it's kind of too late. It's like, oh, we can't stop it now. You're, you're, you're dying. And I think that I'm, I'm pretty sure ketamine would be classed as what's called a dis When used in that environment, either recreationally, you know, in a club or at this dosage in a medical environment, it would be classed as a disassociative. And what that means is that your ego or whatever dies. And the experience you described about having first person's perspective, you have that very intensely. So for me, basically, I, um, this is from the injection in a medically supervised legal environment with a doctor, etc. I'm laying down and um, I somehow just, it felt like a video game where the camera is panning from me looking through my eyes and the camera just pans. So now I'm just looking down at myself and I'm looking around the room and I'm totally separate from my concept of self. Um, And what this allows you to do that other psychedelics that um, like something like LSD is not really classed as a disassociative in the same manner, but you can get similar insights or perspectives perhaps, is that for me, at some point doing that, I looked and I was like, I am playing the role of a 30-year-old who is in tech and blah, 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 blah. I saw a character that I'd adopted 
And I thought that was really interesting because it also reminded me of um, some bits that Jim Carrey has said. I don't know if you've seen any of his interviews. Some people dismiss him as like, oh, Jim Carrey, he's going crazy or whatever. But he had a really great point, which is that him and many actors, they go so deep into a role that they don't break character when they go home, you know? So they become this person and they don't switch off when they go home. They talk like that character all the time. And he says... You know, after you're playing so many characters and after playing a character for so long, six months, you forget how to play the character you were playing before of your own life. You know, in our day to day life, maybe I'm playing the character of someone who is shy or whatever, whatever. And so for me, um, those bits uh, were very reflective. But uh, so I was just giving that as a really extreme example of disassociative and how extreme that experience can be. But yes, uh, on the silent retreats, I don't take any psychedelics, but um, was able to get some of those slightly disassociative um, or third party perspectives, I think, from just shutting down the monkey mind, as they refer to it, um, by not worrying as much and just reading books, you're not worrying as much and then can reflect on hey, in my day-to-day life, like some of these things that I do, do I think those are constructive personality traits to be having, um, et cetera? So, so cool. And when you were talking just now, it reminded me of this book that I'm currently reading, which is why I went off screen for a moment to grab it, called The New Toughness Training for Sports. And in the book, it talks about the importance for athletes to create a performing self Mm. but how sometimes that will go against your real self quote unquote and how some athletes and some actors and actresses can lose their mind when they start believing that their performing self is actually them and so it is interesting you talking about and why i bring this up is because you talk about jim carrey doing it but also how we can all play and have that ourselves, we can start to believe we are the 30-year-old tech entrepreneur. We can start to believe we are an actor, a podcaster, whatever it is. And it's like, is that really you? That can serve you in some sense, but it doesn't have to take up the entirety of your being. And the balance of that is very difficult. Absolutely. How, yeah. So you have any thoughts on that? Um, Exactly what you said, that it can serve you. It's a tool. You going on stage to give a presentation to thousands of people, you might want to adopt a different persona and hype yourself up and all of this, but it can be damn, it can be beneficial in your career path and whatnot, but if you don't balance it correctly, it can be very damaging to you. So I'm in this group of entrepreneurs who've sold their, who've sold their companies. Uh, The majority have a, crisis uh, an identity crisis when they sell their company because they're like well what do i do now Uh, i'm a good entrepreneur and their business is also super intertwined with their own identity many first-time founders myself um, probably included call your business like your baby um etc and so if if the baby dies um or if you get if someone takes custody of your baby, it's taken away from you uh, without you wanting it can be extremely challenging. And um, many of these people have an identity crisis, like what shall I, um, 
what I don't know what to do next with my life. Um, tried going fishing and playing t- with my kids for like two weeks and I just felt totally lost. Now, different people can come to different answers. I don't think it's saying that they are failing at life or whatever. You know, people um, do work until they're 80 and maybe they don't regret it. Maybe that was very fulfilling to them in their life. Um, and without that, they would not be fulfilled. That's not to say it's, it's bad, but it is a challenge many people encounter. Um, one, have, you, have you seen any of the interviews with Mike Tyson about his challenges with this? I have not. He took, um, he took a, a, a drug which is legal in, in Mexico... And it's actually a secretion from a toad that lives in the Mexican desert. Um, you can essentially milk the toad and you, and you get this substance that you can vaporize or smoke or whatever. And it's said to be um, the most intense drug in the world. So he, um, after he's retired, etc., he took that. And some of the interviews that he did are just really um compelling his description of it where he talks that you know this is a guy who he said that basically uh, he also ref- he, he said that when he did this he said that um his concept of self died and he said that he just wanted to throw all his medals and everything and all his possessions out the window he did not give a shit about them oh. and he felt just really chill um, and when he reflected, he was able to describe very clearly and clearly had been able to, it had given him extreme insights into the character he created. So what he identified is that his trainer had trained him to create this character and basically told him, like, you are undefeatable and created such an undefeatable monster that, yeah, he bit someone's ear off during a fight because he just did not give a shit enough. And he identified that his trainer, he felt to earn his trainer's love, he had to win. And so basically he was creating his character to win, to earn the love of his trainer because when no one else believed in him this guy would go around introducing him to other people i think he was 18 mike tyson and they're like and he would introduce him and be like this is the future heavyweight champion of the world and um he created that persona but meant that uh mike did not know who he was and um this experience he felt healed him and um meant that all of these medals and everything now where he's at in his life he does not care at all about them and can just throw them all away so um, that's a stark example of one athlete describing with great uh, awareness the character that he, that he created so what about for you when you sold your company did you deal with any of these existential crises um for me um yeah a bit but not as much as other people. And also, um, uh, I think perhaps because, um, like, I was not working at my company when it was acquired. I had left a little bit earlier. My co-founder was still running it. And then I'd left a bit earlier around when we raised Series B funding. And then I'd um, B 
been advising different companies and stuff like that. And I think that also one bit that gave me an awareness is that um, I, you know, I um, had not sold my company at this point, but I'd exited my company. I was advising people. And then at some point I thought like, oh, I'll raise a fund to invest in people in in startups because like i'm advising people um they give me some equity but like next level would be to raise a fund and um did laid the prep and started to fundraise for that fund got some commitments but um meeting one person who was very very smart and he the questions he asked made me he asked the right questions of me that made me question myself. So, for example, why are you raising a fund? Why do you actually want to raise a fund? Um, and why, if you want to get started, why don't you just do some like SPV investments? Like instead of raising an entire fund, find a company that you think is good and raise some money just to invest in that company. It will allow you to build a track record and test it out, etc. And also, do you actually think you want to sign up for running a fund because running a fund is a 10 plus year commitment um any of these investors they don't want to invest in your fund this fund they want to invest in a franchise they want to invest in they maybe don't even want to invest in your fund one they want to see how your fund one and two goes and they'll see how you performed and did you stick to what you said you're going to do, etc. And then maybe we'll invest in your fund three. And each fund is multiple years. And so I sat back and reflected and I was like, one, no, I don't want to commit to doing this for 10 plus years because I had on paper a lot of money that my company um, was valued at hundreds of millions. It just hadn't exited yet. But then I kind of realized like, all right, look, it's probably going to exit in the next 10 years. So five, let's say five years. So five years from now, if I'm getting tens of millions of dollars from this exit, do I actually want to be running a $10 million fund and I'll have all these people that are, I'm, are my boss, that I'm reporting to, that I feel responsible to, they've given me money, that I can't switch off you know, and then I realized like, wait a minute, actually, this is going to be a small thing for me. It's not going to be worth the worry that it creates. So no, I don't want to sign up for that. And why am I doing this? I realized it's because when you meet people, often the first question they ask is like, hey, what do you do or what line of business you're in or whatever. And I realized that when I said uh, that at different times, there was different things I was working on. But when I said, oh, I'm thinking about raising a fund, that elicited the most enthusiastic reaction that people were like, oh, that's really awesome or whatever. So I realized at some point I came to the conclusion, I'm just doing this to have a good answer to the question of what do you do? I'm not doing it because I'm passionate about it. Wanted, I, mean, I mean, a little bit passionate, but um, I'm doing it for others, not for myself. And that mm. realization allowed me to be like, okay, stop that. And I realized that if I'm meeting someone, I may also ask them, what do you do? And then not always, sometimes they're asking that to judge you, but not always. If I'm thinking for myself, I would not, I'm not the sort of person that will meet someone and ask them, what do you do in order to judge whether they're worth talking to? 
uh, because I will have a good conversation with someone if they're a cleaner or something else often frankly have a more engaging conversation with the cleaner than the rich person um, because they might be more down to earth um, but I'm asking them what they do they do just because I want to it's a lazy it's a lazy question and I'm just asking to have some topics that we can have a conversation about because I don't know anything about them so once I had that realization I was more comfortable with doing things for what I want to do not based on the impression that other people have had of me and so I had that realization a little bit before my company sold so when my company sold I, I didn't have the same identity crisis that others do as much because I'd gone processed it a little bit sooner yeah th that's a really good question and one that I've used to frame some of my own decisions as well is that could I see myself doing this five years from now or ten years from now for some reason that gets you to the closer bit of like, are you doing this for you or are you doing this for someone else? And as well as the, the think week that I did, that helped get me closer to what I actually valued because society often has so many voices in your head and telling you to do certain things and you're judging your life so much based on others. And that's why it's an important thing to revisit. Do you have any other questions that you use or any prompts or ways of thinking that help you get closer to thinking about what you actually value versus what someone else values? Um, I think maybe it's just good to periodically look at your life and do those bits so one bit that i do it was based on a recommendation one of my wife's friends recommended it to her and had a template and then we adapted it is we do what is called we we just call it a qrr uh, a quarterly relationship review and so we have a series of questions and, and categories and um we give a score out of 10 for each category this we just made it have 10 categories so it goes out of 100 as total and um, we assess our relationship uh, and each of us fill it out. And then we go for dinner and we run through each other's results. And um, then we talk about what steps we're going to take to um, on areas that we might be falling short. Um, so that might include. Um, have we spent enough time with my friends and family this past quarter and or prioritize them enough as we would like and is there any people that we hung out with maybe your friends um that i didn't really want to hang out continue hanging out with or is there people we would like to hang out with more than we have um different things like that so do that on a relationship level i, I had thought could be but it's, it's all you're doing relationship but you also it's also reflecting on yourself a bit as well you know so i haven't done it personally but i think it would be valuable for me to create that on a personal quarterly review as, as, as well are, are there any other particular questions you ask in that quarterly review other than have we spent the most have we spent time with my friends and family yeah what, like what other questions if you can remember yeah, 10 different areas um um so would be like uh 10 different areas we rate and then we also have like um like random questions at the end but i mean one um you know fun big question is like 
um, how is this relationship comparing to my dream relationship if I were to create my mm. best relationship in the world? How, how's it stacking up? Um, and we also have a question like, think of a uh, uh, some of these we created a number of uh, majority actually was from this template wherever this what uh, friend of my wife got it from one of these uh, one is like think of a scenario in the past quarter that demonstrates the strength of our relationship uh, perhaps um or like how have we been handling arguments um things like that um are we spending enough quality time together? How do I feel about gifting? Like, have I given and received gifts as I would like? I f uh, and related to that, I think that the Five Love Languages is a is a really good book for people. Um, you don't even need to read. I don't even think I have read the book. I just did the quiz, and just doing the quiz alone is insightful. You know, um, like gifting is one potential love language that you might prioritize or you might downplay. Um, you know, so different things like that. That's really cool because you can also relate that to not just a relationship. You can ask yourself, you know, how does this career relate to my dream career? Or how does my meditation practice relate to my dream meditation? Yeah. Like it, it actually works for other areas of your life Definitely. as well, which is, is really cool. Definitely. I want to circle back to uh, the Think yeah. Week and particularly because you've loved this practice so yeah. much that you've now created a, a Portugal yeah. nature getaway, which I've signed okay, up great. for. What's the, what's the status of that? Or at least yeah. enter my email into okay, it. And, and why were you so inspired to help other people have this experience too? The status is like, um, I've just had to accept that it's moving at the pace it's supposed to move. Um, yes. Portugal is a great place, but you can't can't speed things up too much. Otherwise, people it has a laid back environment, and so someone told me it's like if you try to speed things up, people will get suspicious. Like, why are you trying to speed this up? Like, something's not right here. <laughs> you know, stuff is just supposed to go slow. It's not the United States, so it it, it goes slow. Um, have found a piece of land that we like. Um, currently um in the process of like there's a lot of due diligence stuff you need to do with architects and paperwork and whatever shit so um it, it's at that stage where haven't yet even acquired the land but have put in a lot of thought behind the scenes about what want to create the reason working on it is because i'd been been going to this other silent retreat in indonesia for um maybe 10 years uh but as i described it so far away that for a long time I just thought like I want to expand this concept around the world and so the founder of that retreat place is actually um, an advisor like helping me with this and so that's my blueprint model and my plan is to launch one in Portugal if that goes well I'd like to expand it to all the other continents Americas and South America etc um, I am putting a bit of a twist or, or just my own variations on um, the one in Indonesia but that's um, ninety percent of the model is from there. Uh, haven't come up with a the Portugal Nature Getaway is just a holding name, so I haven't come up with an exact name on it yet. But some ways I think about it is how can I create the optimal environment 
for inducing a state of flow. Mm. So creating a place where people can get into a state of flow. They don't need to think about anything and they are in this flow state. Um, I think very deeply about what are all the factors that might stop you getting into state of flow and how can those be addressed so i i think about things on quite a minute deep um a, a detail there and um i read this um interesting uh kind of paper i guess um it's called like vipassana for hackers and it's kind of a uh kind of a review of a vipassana approach from a hacker tech person perspective and they have an interesting scale um where it's like vipassana and meditation on a very extreme end and then as i said this meditative state somewhere in the middle and so i think about what activities are meditative these are things that they're not hard they're things you can do allow you to turn off the worrying side of um and turn off your thinking brain by getting into a state of flow so for me that can be um engaging with animals so there is this famous um retreat center um miraval i don't know if you've heard of them the franchise they have their famous actually horse meditation uh, my wife did it. Uh, they charge like $800, really expensive for horse meditation. But basically what you do is you just you kind of do eye gazing with a horse. And uh, my wife did it and she said actually it was really cool because um, you're eye gazing, you're, you're staring into a horse's eyes, but you kind of know that this horse is not judging you, you know, and hmm. you just feel really comfortable. You know, if you're eye gazing with another person, sometimes that can be a bit of an uncomfortable experience. Um, and you're a bit self-conscious, maybe. With a horse, you know, you, you're, you're less self-conscious. And, and they've kind of studied that, um, apparently, that horses are like on a certain wavelength, very attuned to comforting with uh, humans. And I would say like horses and, and things like that are also... Um, relaxing to be around so i think animals is one factor i think that um potentially what uh not 100 sure but think might incorporate on my um place is having clay making because this is something physical you're doing with your hands but you know you can get into a state of flow like making a bowl you don't have to think super hard they say that painting is is one um yeah, painting, um, maybe journaling. Uh, haven't thought or studied that enough. Um, walking and listening to nature, um, different things like that. I think of meditative. So I'm trying to think through all these factors about what can um, get you into a meditative state and what things might be hindrances to you getting into a state of flow. And so how can we address um, those so that you don't need to worry about anything so um it's minute but uh yeah one example of that would be uh coming back to the food is like in a restaurant if you've got to get the att waiter's attention to pay for the bill that is t 
disrupting you from a state of flow because you're wondering like oh when are they going to notice me and how long is this going to take when am I going to be able to go back to what I'm doing blah blah that's an example of something you might not actively it's so common happens uh, when you go out all the time so you're not actively thinking about it but that is disrupting you from a state of flow and so as much as we can remove those aspects is what I want to do as possible that's really really cool and I'm curious how you take the learn a couple of things. One question I have is around taking the learnings from the retreat or the getaway and bring them into your own life. And another question I have is around how do you optimize for flow in your day-to-day life as well? So you could tackle whichever question is more interesting and appealing to you. Um, also, just one other fun bit that I remembered that you might be able to do on your one or Please. anyone can do you good on a retreat but also could be in your day-to-day life honestly um i don't have a good day state of flow in my day-to-day life that's why i have to do these retreats because i suck at setting boundaries and i'm always connected and stuff so i suck so that's why i have to do these extreme things to do there uh one bit that i Mm. take on the retreats and um would be good having a practice of doing in my day-to-day life more is you can buy it off amazon something like in the re- i want to say in the region of 40 dollars it's a size of a food storage container but you can set a timer and then it will then lock itself so you can put your phone in this box and set it for eight hours and it's not going to unlock for eight hours what's it called i, I don't know like a you can okay, look well, it up. We'll yeah, look it up. Something like I'll send you a link after. Yeah, I'll find it. But um, we got a lot yeah. of links for <laughs> yeah. this episode. But that, that's a super fun it. one because you literally can't check your phone. Like even if you think like, oh man, one of the things that I find is um, many people are often having a subtle, even though it might be subtle, state of fight and flight response where you're like. I need to have my phone around because what happens if a family member has had an accident and they urgently need to contact me? So 99.99999% of the time, nobody is trying to urgently contact you. I go on these retreats, things, and um, for 10 days, and then sometimes actually it's quite humbling because you come out and you're like, oh, well, actually, no one really tried to contact me. Like, uh, I thought I was more important than, than that. Like, nobody nobody noticed I was even gone, you know? But when you're in the moment, you're like, oh, what if someone is desperately needs me? Well, if you put your phone in a safe, then tough shit, because there's nothing you can do about it uh, <laughs> unless you've smashed the box against a wall. Um, so I find that to be a very useful tool. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because... That was one of the thoughts that kept popping up during my retreat three years ago was like, I hope everyone I I love is safe and healthy and happy and I hope nothing bad happens to them. And then I was like, oh, that's no big deal. Like, of course, everything will be fine. And then I come out of it and my grandpa like was in this random accident yeah. where like his generator blew up wow. and like everything was fine. But it was like, Oh my God, my fears actually came true. Um, so I've, I've, you know, I wasn't needed for the, that scenario, but yeah. So I, I, uh, how I'm thinking to address this at 
the retreat center is that um we're gonna have a physical phone at reception and uh in the onboarding it's gonna basically say hey look if tell your friends and family if there's an emergency and they need to contact you phone us at this number and if your granddad gets in an accident they'll phone us and we'll come and find you so then you don't need to worry about it that's how i'm thinking to address it yeah that's also a really good insight for people who might be listening to this episode and want to do this themselves on their own is like if you're doing it at an airbnb give the the a phone number or email address of the Airbnb to some people that you love, fa- friends, family, so that in the worst case scenario, they have some way to contact or, you. So that's a really good insight. Or take a, get a prepaid cell phone number. I think you can get them for $10 and get a flip phone and just tell them, hey, you can contact me at this other phone. Um, so um, I also have, you know, old iPhones where the, it doesn't have a, basically doesn't have a screen. It's so cracked or whatever. Um, but um, would um, one bit could do is just create a special phone number and then just tell your loved ones like, hey, this is the, the bat phone. If you, if you need me, call me at this. But nobody else has this phone number and only call me on it in an emergency type thing. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I, I appreciate you so much for doing this and trying to help more people get to this experience because right now it seems like it's a a solution that we're cobbling together which means that i feel like there's a huge market for it and a huge need for it in society as we become even more and more connected to disconnect so i really think this is like uh, an idea that is going to be much more widespread in the next decade or two hopefully yeah it's not and said, I've, I, I spend a lot of time looking, uh, try to look for anything like it. Um, and actually, one thing I want to do is like, if it gets successful, like create a kind of a partner network with other places. And one bit we're doing with the um, place in Indonesia is I've kind of paid them. Um, they, they, they have a charitable arm um, that we're going to try and document stuff to try and create an open source playbook that other people could create their own um so there is one in italy where actually it's an old kind of monastery and they've converted it to a um, they call it a modern day hermitage which i thought was a very interesting Mm. description Uh, hermitage uh i believe seemed to be a place where like monks or whoever would go and not talk and just devote themselves to god or study or whatever and now they've made it like a bit more modern um so and there's that place in italy but otherwise there's not that many other places currently well if that open source playbook gets published somewhere i would love Mm -hmm. to take a look at it and and set this up for people in my own life in austin texas Mm -hmm. because this is i think the most important thing in a world that is 100% externally facing is to balance that out in some sense to look more inward because what you'll find might surprise you or it might be what you've already known the entire time. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, uh, Jack, for spending the time here today. I like to end these podcasts with a challenge for people and take the information we've discussed in some sense and ask the guest to help somebody take an action step from this episode if they've made it this far does a challenge come to mind 
Um, well, I guess we've talked about the phone stuff, right? And I mean, um, it's quite humbling for me. Um, so I have a daughter and she is two months and uh, two years and uh, about four months old. And in kind of humbling that recently, sometimes um, if I've been around, then um, she's just starting to, you know, she doesn't do super long sentences, but can put together a few words. And then she'll tell me like, um, like daddy, uh, put your phone here. So she's literally telling me like, put down your phone. And so if a two year old can recognize that you're not being present with them and you're on your phone too much, that's pretty humbling, um, experience. So I guess the main challenge, um, would be, um, for those moments in your life you want to be present um you can start small but if it's at dinner or something um can you put your phone on airplane mode or better put it somewhere totally different because they've done studies that even having your phone in your rough proximity um i think reduces your iq and increases your anxiety so can you just try even just turning off your phone for an hour as a challenge and those moments you want to be present it's beautiful so so beautiful where can we send people to connect with you further um because my name is so common then i don't have good handles on uh, twitter and stuff um maybe if you search for jack smith on twitter it might come up it's also going to come up with the prosecutor who's prosecuting trump because loads of people tag me yes. like oh why are you prosecuting the greatest president ever or whatever and i'm like uh, you've got the wrong uh, dude there um but try so try searching me on twitter and then the website holding page of the thing i'm creating is um portugalnaturegetaway.com and your twitter and portugalnaturegetaway.com are both linked below um i feel like we didn't cover at all what it was like to build the company and and your story in that sense maybe you'll have to come back for a part two because there's so much to you that is under discussed and i'll throw some links for other podcasts people can check out for those things but i'm so grateful to have brought you here to talk about what I think is one of the most important things we can do, which is generate flow, go inward, learn more about ourselves. And so thank you for doing that. Thank you for, for being a, a beacon and a light from those perspectives. And I'm so excited to continue to watch the Portugal nature getaway <laughs> unfold and see what it becomes. Awesome. Yeah, it was great to connect with you. Thanks again for reaching out. And um, yeah, great that we got to spend the time talking about a very impactful topic hopefully